Good morning. A very, very warm welcome to you all on such a beautiful morning. Uh, welcome to our service and a warm welcome uh, if you're watching online. It's great to have you with us this morning. And a particular welcome if you're new or if you're visiting. Uh, please do uh, say hello to us after the service over a cup of tea and a hot cross bun. It'd be great to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, what a day it is today, Good Friday, uh, where we remember and marvel, don't we, at what God has done for us, reconciling us to himself in the most extraordinary way, through the death of his son, making us right with him. Now, it's just a remarkable thing. And the shape of the service this morning is designed to allow us the space to reflect and dwell upon what God has done for us as Christ journeys to the cross. There'll be readings from Luke's gospel to remind us afresh uh, of what happened to Jesus on that Good Friday. And after each of those readings, there'll be uh, 60 seconds or so of quiet, really, just to allow us to pause and to reflect and dwell on those readings, to allow those words to settle on our hearts. And then Colin will come and preach to us this morning. And after that, we'll also be celebrating at the Lord's Supper. But before we start, let's just take a moment to pause, to ready our hearts. And let's just close our eyes for a moment, being mindful that we come here this morning to worship the one true living God. And let me pray for our time together. Heavenly Father, we pray that this morning, that as we come into your presence by your spirit, that you would speak to our hearts. Remind us afresh of your love, mercy and goodness in bringing us back to yourself. Help our hearts to see afresh our desperate need for you, that nothing less than the death of your only son could make us right with you. And stir our hearts with love for you, with the knowledge that the Lord Jesus came and willingly died for us. Be at work in our hearts and shape our lives. Mould us to be more and more like your son, the Lord Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen. Uh, We come now to a time of confession. I guess today, uh, almost more than any other day in the Christian calendar, our sin is brought into sharp relief and focus as we remember it was our sin that it's our sin that nailed nailed Jesus to the cross so it's right isn't it for us to stop for a moment and dwell on the times when perhaps we've not loved God as we should have When our love for God has been partial, our affection towards our Heavenly Father has been lukewarm. When our hearts have run after the things of the world where we've sought our own glory and not sought to glorify our Father in heaven. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let us then show our love for him by confessing our sins in a moment of quiet in our own hearts.
and words of confession. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed. Through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Forgive us all that is past and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. And because of what God has done for each one of us in and through the Lord Jesus, the work on the cross, hear these words of absolution and know that by trusting in what God has done for us in and through Christ Jesus, that we have been made right with God. So may the God of love and power forgive you and free you from your sins, heal and strengthen you by his spirit and raise you to new life in Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, we're now going to have uh, the first of our two, uh, first two of our readings, I should say. Uh, and after each of the readings, there'll be a minute or so uh, of silence, really to allow us to pause and to reflect on the words that have been read to us. Uh, so let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your living and powerful word. I pray that as Nathan, Lisa, Peter and Leonie read for us this morning, uh, that they would do so with clarity and with confidence. Father, allow the words of scripture this morning to penetrate our hearts. As by your spirit, you lead us into all truth. Amen. Great. The first reading is taken from Luke chapter 22, starting at verse 66. So if you have got a Bible, great if you can, can turn there. Luke chapter 2, verse 66. At daybreak, the council of the elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law, met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you will not believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all asked, are you then the Son of God? He replied, you say that I am. Then they said, why do we need any more testimony? We have heard it from his own lips. Then the whole assembly rose and led him off to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We have found this man subverting our nation. He opposes payment of taxes to Caesar and claims to be Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. Then Pilate announced to the chief priests and the crowd, I find no basis for a charge against this man. But they insisted. He stirs up the people all over Judea by his teaching. He started in Galilee and has come all the way here. On hearing this, Pilate asked if the man was a Galilean. 
When he learned that Jesus was under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who was also in Jerusalem at that time. When Herod saw Jesus, he was greatly pleased, because for a long time he had been wanting to see him. From what he had heard about him, he hoped to see him perform a sign of some sort. He plied with him many questions, but Jesus gave him no answer. The chief priests and the teachers of the law were standing there, vehemently accusing him. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. That day, Herod and Pilate became friends, because before this, they had been enemies. The next reading carries on from verse 13. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, and said to them, You brought me this man as one who was inciting the people to rebellion. I have examined him in your presence and have found no basis for your charges against him. Neither is Herod, for he sent him back to us, as you can see. He has done nothing to deserve death. Therefore, I will punish him and then release him. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man! Release Barabbas to us! Barabbas had been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time, he spoke to them. Why? What crime has this man committed? I have found in him no crowns for the death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then released. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified. And their shouts prevailed. So, Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will.
Uh, Martin's going to come up now and lead us in our prayers. And after that, uh, Peter and Leonie will bring us our next two readings. Martin. Let's pray. Lord God, our Father, we come before you on this Good Friday morning, seeking to worship you from the depths of our hearts and souls, wanting to hold on to the truths you reveal to us on this holy day of our year. Lord, you are rich beyond all praising, yet for our sake, became a man. You are a majestic king, all-powerful, yet chose to hang on a cross, a sacred head, sore wounded by grief and shame, bowed down. An appearance of weakness to a watching world, a suffering servant, and yet concealing your love, busy absorbing all the evil thrown at you, not only on that day, but all the sins of man from all time. Disarming that hostility, taking that pain and nailing it to the cross instead, making a public spectacle of those who failed to see your true authority who failed to see that this was not Jesus dying, but death itself dying. The turning point of history, pivoting there on the cross, marking the spot where it happened. Lord, we marvel at your themes of justice and forgiveness, of mercy and of love, woven together in your sacrifice for us. Shouting out loud your majesty and power, in your silence before your accusers. Speak to us, Lord, as we hear together from your word. May our ears not be over-familiar with these words, but provoked afresh to listen to your voice, singing a song of redemption and hope through the clamour and pain of what you endured for us. Lord, even as you hung on the cross, you cared for those at your feet, your mother, your friends. We pray your comfort on those of us feeling bereft at this time, needing your support and grace for healing of ourselves or of those close to us. And we pray for our nation, Lord, our world. May man's hostility to man not drown out the songs of the angels, calling for peace and justice and reconciliation. We thank you, Lord, that we can hear this good news, Good Friday message in the knowledge of the triumph and joy of Easter Sunday, of unassailable hope in our darkest despair. And may we live with your breath in us, with the hope of glory in our hearts, with thankfulness for your plan of salvation laid down before the start of time and remembered by us here today with gratitude and joy. Lord, thank you for the cross. Amen.
3 at verse 26. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned to them and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing, and they divided up his clothes, casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others, let him save if he's God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said since you are under the same sentence. We are just punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Continuing at verse 44. It was now about noon, and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. 
When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Please do keep that passage open just from verse 44 as we follow along together. Let's uh, pray as we come to God's word. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we come to your word that we would uh, receive it. As we dwell on the the darkness of Good Friday, uh, that you would speak to us, Lord. That we would see all that you've done for us and respond in faith and adoration. As we ask in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. As we look to the hope of Easter Sunday, the weight of the darkness of Good Friday presses down upon us. It's a terrible day when Jesus was forsaken, completely forsaken on the cross. The day when it, when it feels like all hope is extinguished and God's plan has failed. And yet as we look at God's sovereign plan, he brings good out of evil and light out of the darkness. As we look at the cross today and see what Jesus has done, it does seem like a tragedy. It seems like a failure. As we struggle to understand why this happened, we then wrestle with the the idea of trusting in the Lord. We trust in the Lord in times of hopelessness. We trust in the Lord in times of wrongfulness. And we trust in the Lord ultimately in times of death. And so firstly, there's the struggle to trust in the Lord in times of hopelessness. in In the darkest day, Our Lord Jesus was nailed to a cross, crucified between two criminals, an innocent man agonizingly executed, pinned to a pole outside the city gates of Jerusalem. And Luke Luke sets the final scene of of the crucifixion as he says from verse 44, It was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon for the sun stopped shining and the curtain of the temple, the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out in a loud voice, 
Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The hopelessness of the situation is underlined when darkness covers the whole land from noon until three o'clock. The three hours are symbolic of the darkness in one of the plagues in Egypt. In the plague of darkness, when darkness is over the land for three days. And make no mistake about it, this Friday is a day when darkness reigns. As judgment rolls down. Judgment rolls down, not on the people. Not on those who rejected him. Not on those who shout, crucify, crucify. Judgment doesn't roll down on his closest friends who fled from him. It doesn't roll down on the faithful people, unfaithful people that were around him. No, judgment rolls down on the innocent, on the faithful, on the righteous one, Jesus Christ. And Jesus takes the full portion of the wrath of God the just penalty for sin upon himself on the cross in the darkest day. It's so dark, as Luke says, the sun stopped shining. The warmth of the presence of the love of God ceased to be as the father turned his face away and the sun stopped shining. Because today, in this day, only darkness reigns. It appears that that all hope has been extinguished as Jesus cries out and breathes his last breath. On Friday, just like the air in Jesus' lungs, it seems like all hope has been emptied. And so how can we trust in the Lord in such a day like this, in such a time like this? How can we trust in the Lord, not only in a time of hopelessness, but even in a time of wrongfulness? The darkness that comes over the land and the crucifixion of Jesus and the judgment that falls on him leads to three different responses from different people. As Luke says from verse 47, there are three responses. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people had gathered to witness this, this sight, saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. The first response is from the centurion. So not a Jewish man, but a Gentile. He saw what had happened to Jesus. He witnessed his crucifixion. He witnessed the wrongfulness of an innocent man being punished. Where criminals are placed. And he responded, praising God. Saying, surely this is a righteous man. For us today, he's the equivalent of a man that maybe is never really thought of as religious he perhaps might say that he would believe in God or some form of God but he doesn't trust in Jesus 
And yet when we see, when he sees Jesus' sacrifice on the cross to pay for the debt of sinners, he sees Jesus for the very first time. And I wonder, is that you this morning? Do you see Jesus for who he truly is? Do you see that Jesus is an innocent, righteous man that came to pay the penalty for the guilty, for the unrighteous? Do you see yourself as needing forgiveness? Do you see yourself as guilty and have a need of Jesus Christ to come and pay for your sins, to grant you forgiveness? I pray that you would see that and that you would come to him this morning. If God is calling you today, I pray that you would respond to him and trust in him. To trust in Jesus, the one who hung on a cross for sinners like you and me. As Jesus is is not just a figure from history, but a man who came to forgive us from all that we've ever done. And so therefore, if that is you, won't you come to him? Won't you surrender to him that you would receive God's love and forgiveness? Maybe though, as you look to the cross, you're part of the second group, the crowd. Uh, They gathered round Jesus as he hung there. And they came to see, they came to see a show. They came to be entertained. But instead it says that they beat their breasts. They beat their breasts because they were in deep grief of what they saw. They came to be entertained, but instead they were cut to the heart. Perhaps that is you, that at Easter Friday, Easter Friday is a big family day, a holiday to enjoy rest and relaxation with others to enjoy good family good friends good food good films good time with other people but when you look to the cross as a person from the crowd it should change you as you look and see what jesus has done in taking the punishment for our sins upon himself it should shake you let it shake you let it move you that you would turn to Jesus, that you would receive his forgiveness, receive what he has done on the cross, that you would know God's loving kindness. Because we have the centurion's response, we have the crowd's response, and then we have the women who followed Jesus from Galilee. Yet as Luke says, they they stood at a distance. Maybe some people would say, well, they stood at a distance because they were ashamed of what was happening. They didn't want to be associated with Jesus. But I think in the context, it's more that they were standing at a distance because they were in shock. Because they must have thought, well, how can this be? They have crucified my Jesus. The wrongfulness, the, the wickedness of such an act couldn't be comprehended by them because they loved him so much they followed him throughout his life he's an innocent man who bore the agony of our sins on the cross and you can imagine them saying no no lord this this can't be true 
No, this, this is not right. This is so wrong. You shouldn't be dying for my sins. I should be dying for my sins. It, it can't be this way. You don't deserve to die. You, you love me. And yet, the Lord chose to go to the cross for them. That they would respond in love. Because as we look to the cross, there's this struggle. There's this struggle to trust in the Lord in times of hopelessness, in what seemed like total hopelessness, in what seems like wrongfulness, wickedness. But then there's also the struggle to trust in the Lord in times of death. The gospel writer Luke wants to tell us towards the end of the chapter that Jesus really is dead. He speaks about Joseph and then the same group of women from verse, 40, verse 50 to the very end of the chapter. Joseph, uh, he's a righteous man, a, a member of the Sanhedrin. Uh, so Pharisees perhaps have a, a bad reputation, but he is a godly man. He is a man who follows the Jewish law by the letter and is a, a man of impeccable integrity. He goes to Pilate and he asks for the body of Jesus and he takes it down off the cross He wraps it in cloths and he places it in a tomb because Jesus is dead. He's definitely dead because just as the other gospel accounts record, the gospel writers use the testimony of women. And women in that day had no voice. They had no power and no influence. And so if Luke were to make up a story about Jesus being crucified and Jesus dying, he wouldn't use the testimony of the eyewitness accounts of women to do it, to prove it. But, but Luke tells us that the women, the same women who stood at a distance when Jesus was crucified, they came to the tomb. They saw where Jesus' body was laid and went home to prepare spices and perfumes for the body in preparation for burial. Because Jesus was definitely dead. He was supposed to be the great hope. He was supposed to be the one who would right every wrong. He was supposed to be the Messiah, the one that would reign and rule and live forever. But he's dead. The tragedy of this day cannot be overlooked because it is such a day of utter darkness. And how then can we trust in the Lord when it seems hopeless, when there's so much wrongfulness going on And even when there's death, when it seems totally lost, how can we not only trust in the Lord, but trust in what he has done? We can do that as we look back to Jesus. As whilst on the cross, he cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. As Jesus commits his spirit to his Father, In death, he trusts his heavenly father even unto death. Because through the cross, Jesus opens a way for us to have life. As the curtain of the temple is torn in two, now the way to God is open. Both Jew and Gentile have a way to know the Lord. Because Jesus takes upon himself our punishment that we can know God's pleasure, that we can enter into his presence. Through Jesus and what he's done on the cross, 
And the power of the Spirit, his Father, now becomes our Father. Now we don't just trust in the Lord in times of hopelessness, in times of wrongfulness, in times of death. No, we trust in our Heavenly Father as we entrust ourselves to his loving hands. As Jesus calls out, Father, into my hands, I commit my spirit in death. And so now we can say, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit in life. We call out to our heavenly Father and we call out to him saying, into your hands, into your hands, I commit my life. Into your hands, Father, I commit my heart. Into your hands, I commit all of my plans. Into your hands, Father, I commit my past, my present, my future. Into your hands, Father, I trust you. I love you. And all this is possible through his son who gave his life for sinners. And we do this as we look forward to the great hope of Easter Sunday. But it's not Sunday yet. And so we wait on the Lord. We wait on the Lord. Our whole being waits. And in his word we put our hope. Therefore as we wait on him. As we wait on the resurrection day. Let's take a moment just to ponder in our hearts as we close our eyes. As we ponder all that Jesus has done for us. That we would commit our lives into your hands, Father. gracious God and loving heavenly father we entrust ourselves to you we give our lives our hearts our spirits to you in life because Jesus paid for all in his death so Lord help us to entrust ourselves to you in times of hopelessness in times of wrongfulness in times of death that whatever we may face, that we would trust you. Help us, Lord, if we are not trusting you, that we would turn to you today and to entrust all of our lives to our Lord Jesus. This we ask in his precious name. Amen. Now that does bring us to the end of our Good Friday service. Uh, Please do uh, stay for refreshments, uh, tea, coffee and hot cross buns. Uh, If you 
would like to have prayer, uh, then please do stay in here. Pray with the person that you came along with uh, or reach out to, uh, to Colin uh, or myself. So some words to close our service. Jesus, Son of God, our true and only Saviour. You died like a criminal on a cross, but you are God who forgives. Once broken, helpless and in pain. You are God in whom there is hope. You have shown us a love beyond words. So send us out to live for you knowing and trusting in your forgiveness, in your hope and in your love. Amen.